All right, Ulysses, it's a fun Friday episode. We have a lot on the agenda today, a combined player review focusing on Francisco Mejia and Christian Bethencourt, the catchers from the past season for the Rays. And then, as per usual on Fridays, baseball trivia and name that war. This is going to be a go, go, go type episode. So buckle your seats and let's get started right now. You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sombrano. And we are the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your very first listen every day. Be sure you... Follow and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Lockdown Rays, in addition to all the podcasting platforms, which you can listen to us audio version as well. Uh, and then check out our social media pages, Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to us, ask us a mailbag question, send us a voice memo, you can do that. LockdownRays at gmail.com. All right. Uh, we have two players to review within a short window of time. So let's get right into it. Francisco Mejia, what went well, what went wrong, his future and grade from this past season. Uh, let's dive into it, Ulysses. All right. So we always start with the slash line. So Francisco's was 242, 264 on base, 381 slug. That's a 645 OPS. He had six home runs, 31 RBIs, F4 of 0.2. Um, the pop time, he was in the 65th percentile. And in the framing side, he was in the 28th percentile. If we focus on the positives first, I think, again, just like with Manny Margot that we did yesterday, the positives was the splits. He is incredible yeah. against lefties. In 87 plate appearances, he had a 337 batting average, 345 on base. 488 slug that's an 833 OPS so definitely a lefty killer um we know that his defense did improve as the season went on you can call that uh because knowing that you're going to be in the lineup a little bit more often th that right. that security blanket of you being the guy uh not not being a backup uh guy i i think Rodney Linares uh was a big influence on him because as we know, Rodney Linares is going to be the manager of the Dominican Republic in the World yep. Baseball Classic. And if you look at possible backstops for the Dominican Republic, it's basically Francisco Mejia or Gary Sanchez. And we all know Gary Sanchez's reputation behind the dish. It ain't good. So Rodney Linares might be brushing elbows with Francisco saying, hey, dude, yeah. you get better behind the dish. I would I I would love to have you catching Sandy Alcantara. I think that I think that 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 could play some subliminal or more than subliminal yeah. uh, actions to, to Francisco. Yeah, and I mean uh, Gary Sanchez, as Blake Snell once said on Twitch, I believe can't block a beach ball, but he has a cannon. So there is that. Um, yeah, I agree with you on Francisco Mejia on the positives. Yeah, the the numbers versus lefties are very appetizing. He also did really well at the trop. He posted uh, 
the second highest max exit velocity of his career. Um, he really uh, put up some of his best numbers batting ninth. And, you know, what we know about Francisco Mejia just generally just um, down the line, such a, a knack for hitting it down the line, either pulling or the other way. And, you know, Manny Margo ahead, we talked about on yesterday's episode, Francisco Mejia also has a, a knack or doesn't shy away when, you know, there's a, a hit or a play to be made. Um, he's, he's stepped up in many, many occasions, uh, as far as the bat is concerned. So I don't know if you want to add to that at all, but those are just my observations there. No, that, that's, that's, that's fair. We should move on to the negatives yeah. for Mejia. Yeah. And boy, I'm going to start with the, the elephant in the room, which is a pink, pink and bright, whatever other color you want. Neon green whatever the walk rate maybe neon red 2.3 percent walk rate and then that's low right and then you pair that up with a 21.7 k rate wolf with a side of mother wolf like Mm -hmm. that is that's that's gonna sting a little bit and a lot of it yeah, he he definitely struggled versus off speed. The 264 on base percentage, uh, no bueno there. Um, and it's kind of disconcerting or unfortunate because I would have thought with Francisco Mejia finally getting more opportunities, the most opportunities he's had in a big league uniform at this point, you know, 299 plate appearances. The most he had was last season or the prior season, 2021, 277 plate appearances. So I really thought this was an opportunity to build on that and really showcase himself. And he kind of didn't, um, in comparison to the other catcher that we're going to talk about that took more advantage of the opportunities that he was given this past season. Um, so I'll just put that out there. Also just, um, anecdotally or just looking at some video here and there uh man we there there, he swung at some really bad pitches that he had no business swing whether it was a pitch uh that looked like it was going to the moon or a pitch down and away or a pitch that was going to hit him in the kneecap or the ankles like what are you doing with that bat sir yeah, I mean, some, I mean, I think he made, I think he got nutmegged uh, a, a yeah. couple of times. <laughs> right. I mean, just, just ugly type swings, but apparently I think Topkin reported and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that Topkin reported that he got uh LASIK eye surgery, eye surgery mm. this, this off season. Uh, so perhaps that was an yeah. issue maybe the fact that he plays well at the trop it's it, it it benefited him not only the the backdrop and the we we've noticed that the lights can can mess around with certain people maybe his yeah. actually was affected you know positively at the trop right um but it's when when a dude that's swinging like that it just screams at you guessing yeah just straight up guessing. Um, so hopefully with the surgery, those swings could, you know, dampen a little bit, which right. should help the the walk rate and, and, and maybe a little bit more patience at the plate. And again, he's going to be maturing. I mean, he's he's entering his 27th, 28th 
um, yeah. each season. So this is the peak. So you might see better baseball from him, but you're, you're right that the walk rate and, and the swings were just makes you think, is that playable? And I'll, yeah. I'll say the same thing with, uh, with the, against the righties, like five sixty six OPS. Is that playable? Even as a backstop, like, right. That's not def- defense first. Like, did, was he overextended? And I and, and and of course the answer is yes. It was twenty twenty two. Everybody got hurt, but my goodness, I don't I don't think he has any business taking yeah. at bats against righties that many at bats against righties. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the point about the eye surgery because just that little bit of extra reaction time can make a difference for sure. Although. Uh, I think just having LASIK eye surgery isn't going to turn him into Yandy Diaz anytime soon. I think uh, Francisco Mejia, his his approach is pretty much his approach. Um, but I, I would, I should, and you sh- should expect some improvements in that regard. I once read a scouting report on him that said he had a hedonistic approach at the plate. So, um, so take that uh, yeah. for what you want there. Uh, now. Moving along with Mejia, uh, he is, if I recall, entering his second year of arbitration, or he's arbitration eligible for the second time this season. And there's rumors swirling. There's rumors that the Rays are interested in Sean Murphy. Uh, A lot of other teams are as well. You've got Renee Pinto uh, on the 40-man roster. Are they going to make a play after Mike Zanino or somebody else? My question flat out, Ulysses, is... Francisco Mejia going to be on this raised roster in 2023. Unless a, an actual backstop arrives like a Murphy or a Zunino, then yes, he's, 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 okay. he's going to be with the race, but it, it would take a big name to drop him off the hierarchy behind, behind the dish for, for sure. Yeah. He's going to be there regardless, you know, unless something big happens. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, maybe I'll save this for the next segment, but uh, let's let's go ahead and move on the grade for Francisco Mejia from 2022. What are you giving him? I'm going to go with a 75, just a C, solid C. You passed. I, I wanted to give you a better grade, but 75 is a yeah. 75. I have a C written on my sheet here, um, and I'll uh, be the the mean teacher today. I'll I'll go just one point lower than you and give him uh, a 74 there. Um, All right, so next up, we will discuss the play and performance of Christian Bethencourt. But before we do that, we have to tell you about betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for spe- uh, sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. It's where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there. Basketball, soccer, esports, football, it is all covered on betonline.net. Uh, it is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You should know that by now. So... Don't waste any time. Head over to that website today or use your mobile device to learn more about this great website. Bet online. It is where the game starts. Um, all right. Before we go into 
the review of Christian Bethencourt. I wanted to save this until after the Francisco Mejia player review. Um, if it came down to it in 2023, would you keep, if you had a choice of, hey, we can either keep Francisco Mejia or we can keep Christian Bethencourt, who would you keep? I think that would, that would, ah, uh, this is going to suck. Cause it, that might be an episode. That might be a future episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because for me with these two guys being player reviewed together, my idea is let's focus on the splits and let's start okay. with the positives with, 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 with CB against righties. He crushes the ball. A 109 plate appearances with the race, just focusing with the race, 266 batting average, 266 on base, hmm. 477 slug, 743 OPS, six home runs. So if you remember, if you recall the first segment where we said Francisco Mejia is a lefty killer, and now I'm telling you Christian Bethencourt is a righty killer, well, boy, oh, boy, yeah. you might just have a real nice platoon, Kevin. Wouldn't that be nice? And the guy who is going to be facing most, uh, you know, pitches and pitchers and who's going to have more at bats at the end of the year because he's good against righties in CB and Christian Bethencourt. Guess what? Yeah. He also is the better defensive catcher. He's in the 96th percentile in pop time. He's 47th uh, in, in the 47th percentile for framing, which I know might not seem like a huge big deal but when his counterpart is in the 28th percentile well <laughs> that counts for a lot so you would be getting more at bats from the guy who's going to be facing more pitchers and he's better defensively christian bethencourt yeah. had a really nice season with the race again the slash line of 252 against righties and lefties uh overall 252 a 283 on base 409 uh slugging that's a 692 ops uh, 11 home runs total this season. Uh, just a really nice find for the Rays. Uh, a yeah. guy who can handle the backstop, is not afraid of being a DH, and can actually cover first base uh, pretty decently. So, um, yeah, just a great trade, really, midseason for the Rays. M might be, might be the best one, um, you know, of the 2022 season, barring what happens with Jose Siri. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. They they sent Cal Stevenson and Christian Fernandez to Oakland. Uh, my prognostication is they're probably not going to turn into much of anything. They're like, your favorite term is lottery tickets, and it's not like they're highly talented prospects by any means either. So what Christian Bethencourt, and it's almost like he's not getting enough love around uh, the, the organization, the fan base, or national baseball. I mean, this guy... Uh, with what he brings in terms of power, athleticism, he's got a cannon too. I think he's had had the uh, Fangraphs recorded or reported the the fastest throw to second base at eighty eight point three miles per hour. Um, just so much to love about this guy, and and a lot of uh, life experience as well. And and this is a, a case of you finally give him a chance and opportunity and he capitalizes on it. Maybe Francisco Mejia didn't quite capitalize on his opportunity, but Bethencourt did uh, partially with Oakland and then with the race. So that's something to really be appreciated. And um, 
I've heard nothing but good things in the clubhouse as well. And man, he can, he's got power to all fields. In fact, um, there, there were probably a, a handful of other uh, balls that went off the wall or got close to the wall that depending on what ballpark he was playing in, they also could have been gone. So uh, there's a little bit of uh, meat on the bone, I think, for Christian Bethencourt. And I think um, if he's, you know, we'll get to it, if he's going to be a member of the Rays in, in 2023, but he, he really could be um, that, that next really, really special Ray that doesn't get the attention that he should around baseball, considering the position and or positions he plays. So uh, uh, that that's what I have as far as the positive. You touched on the other things as well. Again, max exit velocity, 91st percentile. Sprint speed, 72nd percentile. You mentioned the pop time and the framing. Um, so just a really that's solid all-around player, yeah. Kevin, like let's, let, let's stop a little bit there, though. You said sprint speed, 72nd. Yes. He's a, a guy that's six foot two and, you know, 210 pounds, six foot three, 210 pounds, give or take, depending on what your, what website, he's a big boy and he's, he's a big, he moves. Yeah. <laughs> he moves. I mean, this is impressive because those knees are taking a beating. Um, so no, he was a really nice find again, just tremendous because bang for buck. Like, yeah, Jose Siri might ultimately have more production and more value for the race, but you also gave up a really nice chip. Uh, right. a couple once uh, for Jose Siri. So uh, yeah, the bank for Buck, like this was a tremendous shrewd trade that is hopefully going to work out also for, for next season. He's only 31 too. He's only 31. But just like every other player, it's not only roses, yes. right? It's You also have the negatives. And for him, the, the negatives, I kind of said <clears throat> when I um, was reading his splits against righties, and I said 266 batting average and 266 on base. Dude didn't walk against righties. Yeah. Dude didn't walk against righties. His walk rate was at 3.6%. And just like Mejia, that's pretty bad just out of itself. But when you add the K rate at 24%, again, woof with a side of yeah. Mother wolf, like it's that's 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 just that's a lot. That's a right. lot to take. But this has an asterisk. Okay, he's a catcher, so the value is yes. a little is graded a little bit different. Just like with Mejia as well, not with other position players. They give you so much more as a catcher defensively that you are that you should be able to kind of bypass those negatives right. uh, with with these two players. Yeah, again, uh, 101 OPS plus uh, in a raised uniform from the catcher position and also playing first base and TH and so forth. But you're, the, the main thing is the catching uh, aspect of it. But yeah, same thing with Francisco Mejia as far as that, that on-base percentage. Again, I'm not asking for you to be uh, Yandy Diaz, uh, but I would love you a little bit more if you can pick it up from 265 on-base percentage. What's crazy is his on-base percentage almost mirrored his batting average with the race. That's not necessarily a good thing as far as that, that goes, but I don't have much other negatives to, to add to that. Quite frankly. I mean, I was very, very pleasantly and proudly surprised by the output that he put forth, uh, with the race. Um, now moving on, uh, to his future with the team, uh, I believe this will be his, 
first year being arbitration eligible. Um, and I would, uh, I guess it kind of circles back to my point of uh, would you rather keep Francisco Mejia or Christian Bethencourt? That that might be a question if they go out and acquire a, a Sean Murphy or some other veteran catcher. Of do you try to take the the potential and, and long term um, prospecting of Francisco Mejia, or do you take what is a more refined player that could probably help you win more games today as opposed to in 2024, 2025. But again, it being the Rays, I mean, Francisco Mejia is in his second year of arbitration. So it's kind of different from that aspect, but he's also several years younger. But um, I I am going, going to bang the drum that Christian Bethencourt should be on this Rays team in 2023. Yeah, no doubt about it. And just like I said at the beginning of the second segment, I think if they don't get a big name for the catching position, a Sean Murphy type guy, um, which again, God, I, I, I always feel like a cranky old man during the off season. Cause I got to tell people to lower their expectations, but lower yeah. your expectations. People, everybody's, <laughs> it's so funny. Go to any other fan base page, go to the Royals or maybe not the Royals, but go to the Mets, the Yankees, the, right. the Orioles, the, the Texas Rangers. What what do you, what do you think they want behind the the the, the catching position? They want Murphy. Murphy. They all want yeah. him. They all want him. And then before you're going to say, well, the Rays have the prospects. They clearly believed in their prospects last year when they got rid of a lot of veterans. Didn't really work out that way. So those pieces don't have as much value as they did before. My goodness, have you, I mean, if Vidal Bruhan was a stock, boy, did that plummet. That plummeted yeah. after this year. People thought, you know, he could still be good, but it took a hit. So I hopefully that can happen, but don't right. put your hopes on that. So with all of this that I'm saying, which is a lot of rambling, the point is this is this is it. This is the dupe. This is a duo. Mejia yeah. against lefties, Bethencourt against righties. Because it works out that way, you're actually going to get the better defensive catcher most of the games played. They don't seem like guys that are that are injury prone. So you should be okay with having somebody yeah. like a Rene Pinto in the in as a third guy, if need be, or a Blake Hunt if he's not uh, taken in the Rule Five draft. Yeah, or maybe uh, the Rays really get creative and add uh, their next version of Travis Darno for $100,000 from the Dodgers. You never know where you can find your – look, the Rays have traded away many catchers who turn out to have wonderful careers, but they also have a little bit of a knack for acquiring and finding catchers that turn out to be a little something special. Uh, Darno, I just mentioned him, and Christian Bethencourt, another exhibit – right in front of us here. Um, all right. So there is that, uh, what grade are you giving, uh, Mr. Bethencourt from this past season with the Rays? I was pretty, pretty happy with, with his performance. So I'm going to go with an 88 B plus. Yeah. I also have a, a B plus, uh, again, I'm, uh, Mr. Mean teacher today. I'm going to go a point lower 87. That's just going to be my theme for, uh, for this sure. week, I guess, but yeah, B plus, I mean, 
I can't quite give them that, that a, I mean, if, if your on-base percentage is under 300, I just can't, can't do it. Right. I just can't right. you know, stomach that unless, uh, you know, every, every hit of yours was a bomb, then maybe I, you know, if you had uh, 15 home runs in 44 games, then okay, maybe, maybe you have me there, but no, a terrific, terrific output from Christian Bethencourt. So there it is. Uh, the player reviews of Francisco Mejia and Christian Bethencourt. We are rolling through those this off season. We've, uh, racked up quite a few thus far. Uh, now, with it being a Friday, we have baseball trivia. Name that war, Ulysses. What do you have in the land of baseball trivia? Well, we're back to observational trivia, Kevin, and I know that this is your favorite trivia that has a sarcasm font yes. on that as well. So uh, we're going to move to the AL Central, okay, for observational trivia. This is where I ask you about these stadiums and where their home dugout resides, either on the first base dugout, on the first base side, or the third base side. Okay, so here we go with the five teams of the AL Central. Cleveland's Progressive Field is home on the first base side or third base side. Question, first off, do you have to look this up or do you know it by memory? Knowing me, what do you think? You ha- you're pretty confident, but you look it up to confirm it? Exactly. I write down the answers okay. as I know it. And then just because this is, you know, I don't want to get punked on somebody's comment. Like, hey, you got this one wrong. Yeah. I, I, I looked it up. But yeah, I, right. I these, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I mean, this is this. I have the same amount of knowledge of this type of stuff as I do with uh, soccer World Cup things. So uh, I'm just uh, shot in the dark here. I'll say first base side. Incorrect. And Cleveland's Progressive Field home is on the third base side. If you can go onto your archives during the wild card series, you might remember the Rays were on the first base side. Okay, number two out of five. Chicago's Guarantee Rate Field is the home dugout on the first base side or the third base side? I will say the third base side. You would be correct. Yes, it's on the third base side. If you remember the Sam Fold catch, you can remember that mm. they went to the first base side to greet him, and that was a really cool moment of the 2011 season. Number three, Minnesota's Target Field is the du- the home dugout on the first or the third base side. I'm going to go third base side. Incorrect. Home is on the first base side. Close there. Uh, number four, Detroit's Comerica Park on the third base side or the first base side? I will go third base side again. You would be correct. You're remembering Jim Leland smoking it up on the third yeah. base side in the fourth inning. I know that's what you're doing. So very, very cool. And number five, Kansas City's Kauffman Stadium. Is the home dugout on the first base side or the third base side? I will say third base side again. Incorrect. Mm. Home is on the first base side. So in the AL Central, we've got two on the first base side, Minnesota and Kansas City, and three on the third base side, Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland. 
question. Is there any mechanism or reasoning why teams have their home dugout on the first or third base side? Is there any science behind it? Like, I I would like to know that. Or if it's like, hey, are, are newer ballparks being more posed this way? I have no idea. I've never given that much thought to it. My thought, my conspiracy theory on this, and again, maybe other listeners might know the actual one, but my theory is you want the first base side because most of the time you're going to get out, right? Right. If you're a hitter. So don't you want to have the short walk of shame from first base? You just ground it out. You just want to take 20 steps, not go across the field to third base side. Like... I wonder how how many newer stadiums, like stadiums that have been built in the last 10 to 15 years, how many of them are designed that way? I feel like that's got to be a thing with newer stadiums. We'll have to find out when the Rays have their new stadium, you know, what their decision is going to be, you know, and and others as well. True, true. I mean, Minnesota, Target Field is a new stadium, and it does have it on the first base side. So if we keep doing observational trivia, which I know that you love, then uh, we might come up with a a theory here. Yeah. All right. Uh, My name that war, um, I've been uh, listening to the audiobook of Moneyball. I've read it at least once before, but sometimes I just have to go back to it again like a really good movie uh, or TV show rerun. and this guy has been mentioned in that book. Uh, not necessarily a, a prominent mention, but I thought it might uh, be a, a fun, quirky name that wore. This guy, I'll give you a little bit of a hint, uh, played a handful of years with the Oakland Athletics and during the time that that book was written. Terrence Long, what is his career war? This is the worst name you've ever come up with. Yes. This is as bad as observational trivia. People are hating. <laughs> That's why I wanted to. I figured I. I figured you were going to go with the observational trivia, so I figured I would pull Terrence yeah. Long out of my butt. Yeah, no. People are like, "This is the fun trivia. This is the fun name that war." Screw these guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> screw these guys so hard on a fun Friday. Yeah. Terrence Long. <laughs> Terrence Long. This is. This is a doozy. Um, just going to go ahead and just throw a dart here in the dark and uh, going to go with 11. Very good guess. He played eight seasons from 1999 to 2006, although he only played three games in 1999 and 12 games in uh, 2006. Um, back to back in 2001 and 2002 with Oakland, he played in all 162 games. Very, very impressive. Um, and I'm just going to give some of his numbers before revealing the war, uh, 69 career home runs, uh, 269 batting average, uh, 722 OPS. So again, light hitting outfielder. Um, but, uh, some of those numbers be like, man, pretty, you know, I'd, take that uh for you know uh 12 14 16 home runs from 
Uh, an outfielder with a, you know, 260, 270, 280 batting average. Yeah, I like some of that. Um, but Terrence Long, uh, not quite 11 war. Uh, 5.3 war is what uh, he put up according to baseball reference. When you said he had 69 home runs and his batting average was 269, I, yeah. I, I was thinking, okay, well, that would be a very nice war to be a 6.9, but I guess not. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. But... Uh, and I do want to mention, uh, let me just pull this up right now. His fan graphs war is 4.9. So um, okay. I probably, yeah, because he was a name we had heard of. And, you know, uh, I would have thought, yeah, probably at least gotten to double digits. But uh, alas, he did not. Um, and I, I assume, I don't know why his career was cut short, maybe due to injury or some other reason. But uh, there it is. Terrence Long. So now... Uh, People are more uh, informed uh, about uh, his career there. And uh, again, I just picked it because of Moneyball. So if you haven't had a chance to read it, it's a very uh, enlightening uh, baseball book. There's there's no live MLB baseball being played, so it's a really good opportunity to uh, soak that up. Um, all right. Uh, thank you for making the Lockdown Rays podcast your very first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Locked On Sports Today podcast that is also freely available on all platforms. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe, and we will talk to you next week.